Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. How you doing today, my love? I'm well. How are you? I am okay. Today's topic is what is your relationship style? For most of us, we don't realize that we have an attachment style that was formed in the early stages of our life and then sets the stage for our adult relationships. This is also referred to as our attachment style. Attachment style refers to how you think and relate to others, especially in a romantic relationship. The psychological theory of attachment was first described by John Bowley, a psychoanalyst who researched the effects of separation between infants and their parents, which ends up determining and influencing the individual's relationship as an adult. So according to the theory, there are four types of attachment styles secure avoidance anxious disorganized in a secure relationship you have healthy communication styles you're able to ask for help when needed and you can self-regulate your emotions an anxious attachment style you have clinginess fear of abandonment needs constant reassurance in an avoidant relationship, you have difficulty expression, expressing emotions. You tend to emotionally withdraw from others and are unwilling to ask for help. In a disorganized attachment style, this incorporates characteristics of anxious and avoidant styles. You have a fear of rejection, but difficulty with intimacy and low self-worth. Hmm. So... Relationship styles sound like this in words. When you have a secure relationship, it sounds like, I am worth loving and feel comfortable getting close. I am okay needing others and being alone. I won't settle in relationships if I am being mistreated. I am confident. I can communicate directly when upset. I can find healthy ways to deal with conflict. In an anxious relationship style, it sounds like I worry and become clingy. I often wonder if my partner loves me or will leave me. For instance, if I call my partner and they don't respond, I worry they won't be with me anymore. I value others more than they seem to value me. Needs constant reassurance and attention. In an avoidant relationship, I do not depend on others. I'm okay with being alone and don't like getting too close. What are needs? I don't have those or know them. Focus on being independent and self-sufficient. A deny needing relationships. Guarded does not share emotions. Prefer casual relationships over long one, long-term ones. The last one, disorganized, sounds like, I want closeness, but do not trust others, and I can't get close. I don't want to get hurt. 
I get mixed signals, I pull you in, and then you push away, then pull you back in. I feel unworthy of love. I am insensitive towards my partner, controlling, prone to harsh behavior, and aggression. These attachment styles can also sometimes function together or change at different stages in one's life. That's heavy. Imagine experiencing a relationship where you are unable to identify or understand your partner's characteristics and attachment style. This happens more often than not. For instance, think about your own attachment style and consider your partner's. Do you end up having the same interpretation of what that attachment characteristic is? When you think about your attachment style, what do you think it is? Uh, can you have more than one? Yeah, it says you could. Um, avoidant and disorganized. Mm-hmm. And may, mostly sometimes insecure. Sometimes secure or insecure? Secure. Secure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just going off the top. I don't have any like yeah, no, background on why. I, I think mine is probably um, falls under anxious hmm. and at times secures. It just depends. Mm-hmm. Um, it is said that avoidant and anxious characteristic styles stem from childhood traumas. The anxious characteristic and avoidant characteristic usually experience their trauma from abuse or neglect. That makes sense. Anxious attachment styles usually sees fit to assume that the abuse is a result of fault. So those who are anxious think that it's their fault that they're experiencing what they're experiencing from Hmm. a child's perspective. One can be aware of threats before they occur, also known as abuse. Um, It might be my fault. Eventually, if the abuse continues, it can result in the person having a borderline personality disorder. Hmm. Interesting. Now, when we talk about avoidance attachment, typically it is all about childhood neglect. Um, Child says to self, I need to be here for myself. I am the only one that I can trust. Therefore, my word is law. The parents, uh, my word is law. The parent was not emotionally available for the child. Therefore, the child says, I need to be here for myself. These types of attachment styles make it hard for the person to give love easily because they didn't get love easily or quickly when they were kids. Um, They they can transcend, transcend into narcissism. Wow. So anxious turns into, could turn into borderline personality disorder, hmm. if not checked, and avoidance uh, person, uh, attachment style could turn into narcissistic personality disorder, if not checked. Wow. A child who experiences both neglect and abuse will mirror characteristics of a fear-based attachment style. So, oh, sorry. Not good. Can attachment styles change? Yes, with the right therapy or inner child work, attachment styles can evolve into a secure attachment style. Hmm. What is triangulation? That's right. Triangulation can happen in nearly any type of relationship. For example, a relationship between two people can be triangulated by 
a person outside of the relationship, such as a relationship where someone has cheated, work, alcohol, or substance abuse to avoid communication as a way to escape from the issue. Hmm. Triangulation is an approach used to many um, different people who share one thing in common, insecurity. As a result, they're willing to manipulate others in harmful ways to get what they want or feel a sense of security in a relationship. Individuals also use triangulation to bring another person into a relationship or a relationship without confronting the person they have an issue with directly. In a romantic relationship, the manipulator will often bring another person into their intimate relationship to create friction, confusion, and jealousy. However, the individual usually enjoys the attention, whether negative or positive, and may even let the triangulation individuals know about one another so that they can fight for attention. Triangulation can lead to problems in relationships. The, excuse me, the individual members of the triangulated relationship may experience stress, anxiety, or the other mental health concerns as a result of the triangulation. When an individual feels as if he or she has been pushed out of an important relationship by a third party, for example, if he or she may often feel angry, confused, or rejected, betrayed, and may experience depression or resentment, this may cause the person experiencing the experiencing neglect in the relationship to want to avoid the relationship altogether. Hmm. The concept of triangulation in relationships was introduced by Dr. Marie Bowen. Bowen observed that sometimes when people in relationships come across an area of conflict or misunderstanding, they avoid dealing directly with conflict by addressing it with one another and rather draw into a third party as a way to ease the tension. Bowen called this occurrence triangulation. This may seem like a simple concept with an obvious fix. Just go to the person you are in conflict with and address them directly. However, uh, Dr. Bowen has seen that triangulation can cause much strife amongst friends and family members and can lead to years of avoidance, discord, and dysfunction that can be passed down from generation to generation. It is important to recognize the potential for triangulation in your relationship to avoid participation in triangulation, if possible, and to work on the de-triangulation where you find triangulation already exists. To give you a better idea of what triangulation looks like, here's an example. An example will be a misunderstanding with your partner, then becomes a topic of discussion with your friend, a coworker, or a parent, which puts these people in an uncomfortable position in your relationship. This in turn makes communication not direct, but from a third party, instead of directing communication with the person in the relationship with you. Hmm. How to avoid triangulation in relationships. <clears throat> If there is conflict in your relationship and you have difficulty reaching a resolution, you may be caught in a rigid, predefined role with your partner. To break out of this dynamic, 
and work towards a healthy connection, you will need to change the way you handle conflict. So how do you attain healthy communication habits during conflict? The first is to create an equal partnership. You must engage with your partner as an equal rather than a superior or inferior. Practice healthy, compassionate, and direct communication. Resist the urge to vent to a third person in the case of a relationship conflict. Speak to your partner directly only or seek professional help, such as couples therapy. It is never ideal to involve a family member or a friend. Accept differences. Accept that your partner may have a different opinion or preference than you and seek a compromise that works for you both. Assert yourself. Instead of blaming, punishing, manipulating, or using passive-aggressive methods, be assertive. Take responsibility for your position and say what you want to. Keep clear boundaries and say no when you want to. Show your vulnerability. Take the responsibility to, pe- to problem solve. Instead of feeling victimized, seek healthy solutions and take steps to change the situation. Support and empathize, but do not take over. Do not assume the, rela- the responsibility to take over the issues and the care of another person. Provide input and assistance when requested, but do not take on responsibility, guilt, or obligation where it is not due. Another option would be finding a therapist and trust the process. Healthy communication requires openness and authenticity and working to resolve conflict rather than creating them. The most potent way to, of dealing with these situations is to, take a, is to take a step back, accurately evaluate what is happening, and act accordingly. That was a lot of information. That was a lot. Um, what kind of stuck with you and what didn't? What stuck with me was... Avoidance, mm-hmm. and they said that can be that can be traded uh, created through childhood traumas, neglect, and you know um, abuse. Mm-hmm. I think I could relate to that a little bit. Yeah, I can. I can relate to the anxious relationship style. And what I found very scary in a sense, um, or not scary, but interesting, is that um, anxious and avoidant uh, attachment styles stem from an abusive or neglectful background. Mm-hmm. So if one of those things were, apparent, were apparent, then that's what evolves as to how you function as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I found, I found it scary because it's like, how do we both have points in our attachment styles that have similar upbringings? Mm-hmm. It's just, <clears throat> it's really weird that unknowingly we carry the burdens of our, our, our parents, mm-hmm. you know, our guardians and through their parenting styles, they can either create a person who's really good at relationships or really not so good at relationships, mm-hmm. or maybe half and half. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And this is why I'm saying, like, when I think about it being scary, because on one aspect of our relationship, it could be a trauma bond. Mm-hmm. And some of it could be security. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where I feel like whatever our attachment styles with are or were as children, um, have, that we've been developed from childhood, um, bounces back. Mm-hmm. Like that level of what, you know, is supposedly considered a misunderstanding or like the toxicity in the in the relationship. I think it's from that trauma, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and it's, it's interesting um, just kind of dissecting or understanding the different styles of attachment styles. Because I feel like what it was saying in the beginning where... A lot of people don't really know what their partner's attachment style is. Mm -hmm. So how do you come to an understanding if you don't know your differences and similarities? Only reason why I said I can relate to um, the the one, what was that? Uh, Avoidance. is because I spent a lot of time alone when I was a child. You know, being an only child and having mothers whose health isn't always 100%, 100% of the time, even though she could hide it really well. I spent a lot of time by myself, you know, which led to the characteristic of saying, um, I can do it by myself. You know, I can figure it out by myself. I need to be here for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was 18 years of encountering that, 19 years, 21 years of that. You know, that's more years of going through that than actually being in a, a, a stable relationship outside of the one with my mother. So that's a hard trauma to first of all acknowledge it and then break it yeah um yeah i think mine with the whole anxiousness is because of being in more multiple house households as a child and having to adapt mm-hmm. so my main thing was that i always felt like that i was too much and people didn't want me mm. And that wasn't the case, but like as a child, that's, you know, kind of how I process information. So I didn't understand why first my grandparents had me, then my aunt had me, mm-hmm. then my mom, you know, like I could, kind of felt like I was being like a past potato because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was too much or whatever. But I never kind of felt like I, I had a home in a sense mm-hmm. and I had to just adapt to my environment. So part of that anxiousness, anxiousness, like they said, you know, ends up being a people pleaser or just kind of taking things for what they are, but not necessarily being confident with it being something that I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what's the first step of, you know, figuring out what the problem is? Is it acknowledging it, you know, internalizing it, going to therapy? Is it couples therapy? Is it <clears throat> going to therapy by yourself? Like what's a good way to, figure out what tier you fall under. I've always been an aperfect 
advocate for therapy, but I can't afford it right now. Mm. But when I did, when I could afford therapy, I went to therapy. Um, I know what my problem is as far as the anxiousness, but I see how it's affected me as an adult. Mm. Because as an adult, now you're an adult, right? But you're still making decisions as if you're in a child. Or still feeling like you're in the position of still not having the leeway to make a change in mm-hmm. your patterns. So for me, I think the aspect of being clingy or the aspect of like certain characteristics that I see are a problem right now mm-hmm. is because I have a lack of being by myself. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a fear of people betraying me. I have a fear of people like breaking my trust. Mm-hmm. And that's from just like, it it's carries with me and it's a problem, you know, because I do want to be at a point of security, but if I don't trust anyone, how am I supposed to get to there? Mm. But I feel like when I trust people, then they find me a reason not to trust them. Mm. <laughs> so it's just like a constant game of like just accepting things for what they are. Mm. Accepting things the way the, the way they are. <clears throat> it's just it's 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 interesting, you know, because mm-hmm. the reality of it is we've been. We were children longer than we are adults now, especially being in our 30s. We were children longer than we were adults. Yes. Yeah, because we are 21 to, to 25. <laughs> with, let's just say 25. You're still a child mentally. You know? You're still trying to figure your shit out. And some adults never figure their shit out. Some do. But it takes acknowledging that you have a problem. And then sorting it out from there. Yeah. Well, what do you think? What do you think is something that can be a process for you to, like, make the changes that you feel like you need to make? Like, do you think it's couples therapy? Do you think it's therapy? Do you think it's self-work? I think it's... Finding a professional, whether that be a therapist, a mentor what have you, a pastor, preacher, whatever, starting that journey individually first to figure out who you are and why you do the things you do. And if you are in a relationship, once you figure out what that trauma is, what, what what's that thing that sets you off, that's when you work through that and then go through couples therapy. Starting it off individually and then going through couples therapy. Because you, if you go straight into couple therapy and not knowing what the source of the the fire is or the source of whatever, it's just like you're you're blindsided. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And it's like you have to, I don't know, just figure it out. Figure it Help get somebody that's that's certified to help you figure out what that source is, and then you know you move on from there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think now more than ever, I kind of understand what people mean when they say like, you know, you have to come into a relationship with your best self. Mm. But as humans, like I feel like if you constantly say that to yourself, when are you going to find your partner? You could find your partner at fifty. You could find your partner at sixty. Because we're always a work in progress, right? Mm. So I think you automatically put pressure on yourself to try and be the... Like, I feel like 
when you find someone, you never know when you're going to find your partner, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yes, there is that, right? You come as your whole self. But if you're a work in progress, then you never know when you're supposed to meet someone. Mm-hmm. There's this constant push of, or pull of like, do I have to be perfect or can I grow into being the right version for, of myself to love another person? Mm-hmm. You know, like... How am I trying to express myself? I mean, but what is your best self? If you're constantly trying to be your best self, are you really being who you are? Or are you putting out this image of what you think you should be And that's out a good there? question. That's a good question, right? Mm. Be, like, at, at its core, what is your ideal best self? Mm. You know? Or is it that do you come to an understanding that Regardless of who I am, I have someone that's going to love me unconditionally, mm. you know? Like, is it, is that the way that you're supposed to look at it? And if it is, it's like, okay, knowing where you stand or knowing where your partners stand or knowing your attachment styles or knowing who that person is, how do you grow, you know, through the process mm. or like, how do you make sure each needs are met? Because even needs end up, you know, transforming in a mm. relationship. So it's like, how at its core do you compromise constantly? Because a relationship I think is compromise, right? Mm. But it's also loving someone unconditionally and supporting them 100%. Mm. So how as traumatized people do you function into moving forward? Mm. That's the question. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I know the first step is to acknowledge and take accountability of your trauma. Facts, because you don't, the, the last thing you want to do is inflict your pain on others. Right. You know, it doesn't feel good. That's, that's, but this is the world we live in. You know, people either that don't acknowledge their trauma or don't even know that they have trauma to begin with and they, you know, just act out in certain ways. Mm-hmm. You know, but a lot of us need that guidance, need that unbiased opinion who can look from the outside in and tell us what's really going on. Absolutely. You know. I think that's why, I feel that's why a lot of relationships don't make it because before you even get to a point of trying to resolve, you're already like, I'm not even willing to put in the work. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I think people sometimes give up too hard or too fast Mm. without giving people an opportunity to redeem themselves or like an opportunity to actually see what the issue is. You know what I mean? Mm. Because nine times out of 10, it's not 100% that the relationship is going to shits. It's like one small problem that doesn't really overpower everything else. You Mm. know what I mean? It's like one small thing that needs to be resolved in order for things to move forward. Mm. So how do we um, not become our traumas in your opinion? Just being knowledgeable about it. Mm. I think if you Instead of trying to suppress something or avoid something, you just have to accept what it is. Because the moment that you're not accepting what it is is the moment that you're being dishonest with yourself. Mm. And then you try to put on a front. 
around everybody else. Like you don't have <laughs> some something that you need to heal within yourself because it will always spew out. You know, it'll always like seep out regardless of how much you want to hide a trauma. Hmm. And that's the way to break a, a generational curse because the traumas that we gain from our parents, I'm pretty sure our parents gain trauma from, you know, their parents. Yeah, but I think the reason why traumas never have some sort of improvement is that no one is acknowledging it. You're just sweeping mm. it under the rug and like, oh, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. But then you constantly find, yeah. you know, your offsprings just walking around with these open wounds, like nothing's going on. That's so especially think, in the black community. Yeah, so just address the problem. It's okay to talk about the things that you are insecure about, you know, mm. especially with the ones you love. Like, I feel like what's important to me in any relationship is honesty as mm. ugly as like weird as fucked as it is because we're supposed to help each other and not hinder each other's growth I agree I definitely agree um as this, this is a very deep topic you know and I hope uh I hope for ourselves and for our listeners that we can, you know, at least figure out and acknowledge what our traumas are. Yep. And hopefully that can help whatever relationship <laughs> that you're trying to pursue. And that's all, folks. All right, guys. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment. Um, if you know any artists who would like to be interviewed, that means... Uh, no matter what genre of art, just give us a contact um, through our emails or whatever, DMs, all that. So, yeah, guys, peace. Don't have too much trauma in your lives. Peace.